you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And I'm already excited by the pre-conversation that Stephanie and I have been having before we went live here. And I am just so impressed with her energy and her enthusiasm. And today's topic, the science behind your branding. I'm looking forward to learning more about that. So Stephanie Real is a brand strategist and marketing consultant and the founder and CEO of Real Deal Marketing. Love that. Stephanie started her first business at age 22 before she had even graduated college. Since starting that first business, she has spent more than a decade supporting everyone from small businesses to Fortune 10 companies in the e-commerce, health and wellness, technology, real estate, fitness, beauty, and retail industries, so she's got a wealth of knowledge to share with us. She helps them build and grow their businesses by crafting market strategy that drives visibility, generates leads, and nurtures those leads to convert. If you know anything about the Author to Authority podcast, she is the perfect guest for our show. So welcome, Stephanie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. So just before we get started, and, and I'm going to let you loose at some point to, to talk about the science of branding, but you haven't been on the podcast before. So I would love for you, you know, to take a little bit of time and just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your business story. So, you know, go in a little bit more detail because you've done some pretty interesting things in your life. I have, you know, I've always loved to get experience by doing. So I think the beauty in that is I've done a lot of things, which is intentional. But I really started my first business as a side hustle. And I actually, I did that as a senior in college. So didn't have any real world experience necessarily in marketing. I got my start and really, and was on a path I wanted to pursue business and journalism and at one point music to music and musical theater but we won't go too much into that today the music <laughs> school told me I couldn't triple major and so I dropped music and I focused on business and journalism but what really dawned on me in my senior year I was in my first traditional marketing course even though I had done some marketing stuff in the real world I was just enamored I loved the storytelling and you know for this audience I I know you all know the power of an amazing story and being captivated, understanding somebody's why and what makes them tick. And that's what connected me to journalism and the work that I did there. But there's a lot of that in marketing and branding too. And I loved that. And I loved the data and what we're going to talk about today, data and science and the psychology behind it too, because there is a lot of intention. It's not just, you know, picking a color off of the color wheel. There's a lot of intention behind what most of the brands that you see in the marketplace of why they've chosen the colors that they've chosen. So I'm excited to get to talk about that today. But then also 
with digital marketing, especially getting to know what's working, getting that instant feedback, um, the results from analytics and seeing what your community is engaging with. And so that really began my love affair with marketing. But since I didn't have any traditional experience, I started a business and learned on the fly. I was always better at learning by doing. And so that's love what it, I did. Yeah. And so I took that from a solopreneurship. Um, it was just me for the first nine years, nights and weekends, because I was working for other people full-time during the day. And then um, in 2019, I left my full-time job completely and went all in on real deal marketing and our clients. And that really went from side hustle into a full service marketing agency for small businesses. So pretty incredible to think about now. I don't know that a 22 year old me had all of that vision in place, but really a beautiful way to, to build a lot of experience on the fly and to do a lot of different things, but also more importantly, get results for clients and help them become the brand authority for their business. I love it. I love your drive and just jump into it. I'm very much like that myself. And you know what? There's always, everything has a plus and a minus, right? Absolutely. And the plus is, is that you're not afraid. You just go for it. The minus is, is that you don't always think things through. Absolutely. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into and you fly by the seat of your pants. So always. Uh, I was just saying to Stephanie beforehand that there's, you know, I haven't announced it publicly yet, you guys, but there's a bit, you know, you guys are going to be seeing the author to authority community, maybe by the time this episode comes out. So I'm excited about that. But I was talking to Stephanie about, you know, not just jumping in and not being prepared to manage this community properly. And, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to do it all now and let just go. But I want to make sure that when we start the author to authority community, it's going to be a strong place where entrepreneurs, professionals, consultants, speakers, coaches, they can all come and learn how to position themselves as that authority in their niche. Get that teaching, get that training, create the networks, right? Those valuable networks of people. So I can't just jump in with two feet because I want to make sure you guys are all taken care of. It's the hardest part because you have the enthusiasm and the excitement and the momentum. And I mean, 22 year old me just jumped in and I was like, I'll figure it out later. But yes, with clients or the work that I do now, we have a lot of strategy and background and intention setting before we dive into the work. Otherwise, we might build something that doesn't actually serve the audience we want to be talking to. So there's a lot of intent behind that. And I'm, I'm so excited. You guys are in for such a treat with all that's coming. But building it the right way is really important, too. Well, the other thing is, I'm not 22 anymore. My kids aren't <laughs> yeah. even 22 anymore. <laughs> By eight o'clock at night, like I'm done. I don't pull the all-nighters anymore. So I understand that. You look back and you're like, how did I do how did I do some of that? I was working a full-time job and then up until two or three in the morning, working for clients on client work and waking up at six and doing it all over again. And it's like, I, I, I would not be able to do that now. So I'm glad I did then. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Stephanie, I want to let you loose because I know you've got a lot to share. And so I'm going to let you loose to start talking about the science behind your branding. I might interrupt you occasionally to ask some questions, make some comments, but I want to give you the time because I know you've got a lot prepared for the audience today. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And please jump in with any questions. I love active dialogue too. Um, and I've been doing this for a long time. So I, I want to start by saying I've seen a lot of businesses and entrepreneurs do it 
and fly by the seat of your pants and not have not have the intention behind the scenes. So if, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, she sees me, she knows me. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I want you to know it's okay. And the best day, the second best day to start is today, right? For anything. Um, and I think that, you know, when it comes to branding, I see so often clients that I work with or just brands that I witness in the marketplace, they're starting out the entrepreneur picks their favorite color. It, and I mean, there's, there's science behind the fonts we choose, the words we use. There, there's so much that's layered into a brand. But I think a lot of times that knee-jerk reaction is, oh, well, I like this. I'll, I'll use this in my branding. And I think that that kernel of, of a, a split decision in that moment can be really detrimental to your brand long-term because the thing that I always talk to clients about, because sometimes, you know, I'll work with a client, we're brand new, we're, we're bringing the brand to life together. That's so exciting mm -hmm. and fun. And, and it's exciting to be a part of that. But a lot of the work that I do is working with existing brands that did it themselves the first time around, didn't have the science or the strategy in place or the intention mm -hmm. there. They just went with a favorite color and jumped yeah. in and picked a color and that was their branding but then they get a couple years into it or decades in some examples, and they're not really connecting with their audience the way they want to be. And it's because we didn't take the intention or the time to be really thoughtful about it to start with. And so if you're in that camp, it's totally okay. You are not alone by any means, but I think that there's a lot of things about branding that are so much more than just a logo or a color. And so I think, We'll talk a lot about that and I have a lot of that to go into, but I think that that's the biggest piece and biggest takeaway where I see brands miss a lot of times. I so agree with you, but there was something I was thinking about and, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think sometimes, especially, you know, when you're that solopreneur, right, you jump in and you, you try to build a brand before you even have a business. I yeah. think as much as there comes a time when you definitely need branding, you know, that all has to be in place. I think if you're a completely new brand new entrepreneur, you're not even really sure who your target market is, you're not even sure what services you're selling, like having a logo, having a website, having branding, it almost seems counterintuitive because ultimately it's going to change because you're going to change. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Stephanie. I'm jumping up and down inside. So excited. You said, you said two things that I say to clients often. Number one, it's going to change. Brands are like humans. They evolve. And I think yeah. you are spot on. I couldn't agree more. If you're new and fresh in your business and you don't really know who you're serving, it's not time to invest in a logo. It's not time to worry about the branding just yet because everything from a brand standpoint and that science that is so crucial for your brand and setting the right intention, you have to know who you're serving first. So if you don't have your offer really dialed in and who you're serving, what the transformation you help them achieve is, then it's not the time to worry about a logo or your colors or the fonts you're going to use, because the reality is you got to get really clear on who that ideal customer is. I'm letting you all in on a really big secret of my process right now. If you don't have that ideal customer, I would say, go figure that out or let's figure that out again together before you're diving into any of that. I wouldn't even offer a branding package to you because everything that I do with clients is based on that ideal customer first. We have to know who we're talking to so that we can make the right choices and mm -hmm. build with that intention in mind. What that feeling, I always say that brands are about two things. They're about data and facts 
your business data. And a lot of times that is the audience you're talking to. If you're an established brand, maybe you have a website or a landing page up, some kind of analytics that we can look at and see, understand your consumer. But then the other thing is feeling, and it's not your feelings. And sometimes I hurt my client's feelings by saying that. Your ideal customer's feelings. What feeling do we want them to feel when they're engaging with your brand? Because it's the same thing when I'm working with my clients to create their covers for their books. Absolutely. At RTF Publishing, we usually give them three or four to choose from initially. But I always tell them, put them out, you know, to your target market, get it all out on social media, get about a good, you know, 100 to 150 people to give you feedback. And usually the ones that they like is not the one that the client would choose. And so at that point, they have a decision (laughs) to make. And neither one is right or wrong, because ultimately, you know, if it's your book, you have to be able to own the whole thing, including the cover. So if you really can't stand the cover everyone else chose, but usually it's like, okay, let's see where we can tweak this. So it's, you know, it's more what, you know, everyone is saying that they want. So I totally completely get it. Like you can see my author to authority logo there. You know, I was constantly putting it out there. What do you guys think of this name and that name? And finally, Author to Authority was the one that most people found relatable. Yeah. Okay. And then let's let's do the logo. So, you know, I had like about, I don't know, probably about six different variations of the logo and then refining it down. So there was a whole process. And I mean, that process probably took close to six months to a year to come up finally with that specific logo because, you know, it was it was refining, asking people, refining, asking people, right? Because so I had to do it all the hard way. Sure. Hey, the hard way can be really great, though, too, because what better information to get than to ask your audience directly what they think, get their buy-in. That's who you want to be connecting with anyway. So I think, you know, that crowdsourcing way of, of doing it, especially if you're just starting out, is an amazing way to do that. You don't have to necessarily hire an expert. And I, I often talk myself out of a sale or say to a client, you know, we're not, it's not time for us to work together yet. Talk to me in a year, get some more data first or get clarity on your offer a little bit more, test it out, ask it. You know, I think that's the beauty of social media. We have a free platform that we can ask and they have polls or different questions you can put up in a story or in a post and get that real-time feedback. And that sometimes is more important to have that background so that we can really understand your ideal customer. Because I mean, I can tell you all about the color red and why brands choose it and blue. And and I can go through the whole color wheel of those different color psychology basics. But -hmm. if you don't know who you're speaking to, none of the science behind it is necessarily going to matter. And I think that's really the biggest piece. And truly from where I first kicked off when you opened up the the floodgates for, um, for me to start. And that's really what I'm, the crux of what I'm saying is if you don't know who you're speaking to, we can't even really talk about branding because that's how we build in those scientific layers to speak to that audience. Because different colors, our brain receives them different ways. It's it's unintentional. It's well, it's intentional, but it's subliminal. So we're we're yes. not even subconsciously or consciously aware of how our brain is interpreting different colors. Mm-hmm. And so you get that level of nuance, but you got to know your audience first. I do want you to go into more detail because we do have you know quite a few people in the audience, you know, who have 
you know, the established businesses. I just wanted to kind of give that caveat ahead of time because, you know, I think when you're in the beginning, there's more important things to focus on. And obviously you agreed. So talk a little bit more about that science. And, you know, I know probably not what you'd normally talk about, but can you go into the colors a little bit? Because I just find that fascinating. It is really cool. So this is the closest I ever get to being a doctor because I am by no means a medical professional or a scientist, but I am in some ways a data scientist. So I, um, I jokingly say that to my mom sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm a marketer, but I am, I'm out here saving, saving people's brands. It's a big deal. <laughs> um, but I, you know, and to bring, to bring it back in on, on a more serious note for branding. And I have a, I have a course that I released a couple of years ago that really takes you through step-by-step. And the first step is your audience. We have to know who that is. So assuming you know who your audience is, then we can layer in different things. The colors we use, the fonts that we use, because there's psychology behind those too, and how our brain recepts those. But for colors specifically, you know, you'll see, and I'm sure if you're thinking of a couple of national brands right now that, um, and I'll, I'll jump in with a couple because I already have these top of mind and we can go from there. But, you know, you think about the color red and you think about brands that use the color red. Netflix, Target, you know, red is, is really bold. It's a powerful color. Um, it's known to evoke passion and excitement too. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of intention behind why Coca-Cola, Target, Netflix, even Levi's are using that color specifically mm-hmm. because it does give that instant connection with those feelings of excitement, that boldness, and really it stands out, right? It's not just mm-hmm. going to blend in with the crowd. Red really makes you, it stands out. It also on the contrary, because there's a pro and a con to everything. There's two yep. sides to every coin. We've all seen a stop sign or, you know, a red light. If you drive, if you don't, maybe this is going to take you back to some PTSD of your childhood days in school with red lines through your work, right? Mm-hmm. And a grade. So it can also mean danger, warning, and that's all just things that in some ways we've been conditioned to expect from that color. So it's a double-edged sword, but that's really, you know, a lot of the brands that are going to use red want to stand out. They want to take a stance and, and really evoke an emotion. It's not meant to be just a wallflower. Okay. So since my logo's blue. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about blue. I almost started with blue, but I was like, well, we, we should talk about red first. So blue, <laughs> and I actually love that you're using blue. You'll see other than author to authority, other brands that use blue, I'm sure you all have seen Facebook, LinkedIn, oh, Twitter, PayPal, Visa, Ford, the list goes on and on. And it's a very popular color to use because of the meaning and the intention behind it. So blue is known to be dependable, a layer of trust that our brains interpret blue with as well, loyalty, security. And so that's why you see a lot of big tech, financial institutions. I mean, Chase Bank is blue too. You see a lot of that used where you really want to build that level of trust and connection and that security. And so it makes a lot of sense that you're using it for your brand as well. To me, it had this sense of professionalism. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I think that especially in the arrival of social media over the last more than a decade now, but so many of the social platforms use the color blue. And so it's almost like a sense of trust with professional. You think LinkedIn, oh, the first color that comes to mind usually is blue for Mm -hmm. a lot of that content. And so that makes a lot of sense that that's, that's what came to mind for you too. It's, 
again, a little bit of that conditioning of things that we've learned over time. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, it can be, or it can come off a little emotionless, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but most people actually like the color blue. I believe that the recent data that I've seen are like 84% of people, I believe like the color blue. So it's a really popular color. It's a safe bet. It's not going to be necessarily off-putting. Um, it's not going to have any, any egregious bias that's going to be off-putting for your brand too. So a lot of brands use it for that reason. What's the next best color? Green is very popular as well. And I think especially with, you see it a lot with tech, Android, Xbox, but also health and, and wellness or food related brands. So Whole Foods, Starbucks, greens and all of those. It's because green really has this sense of vitality and growth. It has a natural and a fresh feel too, but it can also mean boldness or envy as well. So you see sometimes brands use it to stand out, but maybe to almost show an upper echelon, like some of the tech companies, things like that. They, they're using that green intentionally there. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Purple is a really cool color. It has a lot of kind of spiritual significance as well. Spiritual royalty, wealth, imagination. So, you know, some of the brands that come to mind with the color purple, FedEx, FedEx uses purple in their logo, the purple and the orange, the mattress brand purple, that's a little on the nose, but their logo is also purple. You know, back in the, back in the nineties, Claire's, the yeah. earring bodega, they used purple. But I think there is that, that level of sophistication. You also see a lot of spiritual based brands healers, yoga studios, wellness facilities using the purple as well, because it does have that air of kind of otherworldliness or mm. depending on how spiritual you are or how woo you are, that purple for your chakras is your crown chakra. And so it does open you up to the higher realms. And so that's why a lot of those spiritual based brands mm. use that color as well, because of the significance of an aura and the chakras. So, but it can also mean moodiness or almost gluttony, like an excessive nature. So it's, you, you don't see it as used. I, I, I find that a lot of people, it's their favorite color just in general. Uh, maybe they love to wear it. They love, they love when they find purple flowers or purple decor, but brands definitely are a little bit more selective when they're using purple. Okay, so we've covered some really good colors. What are some of the not so good colors? Well, I tend to sway optimistic. So I always like to think we can find some positive no matter what. But I do want you to know that orange is a very controversial color. Now, I mean, think we can think about some of the brands that use orange. MasterCard, of course, has like the red orange and the orange, traditional orange. Amazon, their arrow, their initial arrow is orange. Now with Prime, you see them using a couple of other colors as well, but their main branding has the orange in it. Harley Davidson, the motorcycle brand, and then even Hermes, they use orange um, or have used orange over the years as well. On but it's more of an accent color. It's not the yeah, main color. Exactly. You know, when I think FedEx, again, they use it in their main on the X part, but I think a lot of times you won't see it as front and center because the science and the data shows that 33% of females or those that identify as female do not prefer the color orange. So it can be very off-putting, especially if you're talking to a female audience. And it can also evoke feelings of frustration. So it's a little controversial. I would say that on the positive side, it does have a competitive or an adventurous 
vibe to it. That's kind of how the feeling that it gives off a layer of confidence. And so that's where it kind of, it can be brought in or the courage, but I think it's a double-edged sword because a lot of people do not connect with that color. Mm-hmm. And similarly, orange's cousin, I guess, yellow, I don't know, I was just uh, but it's similar, right? It's a similar color. Majority males prefer, 57% prefer the color yellow. So one of the obvious brands that uses it and it comes to mind, Best Buy, of course, McDonald's, the arches, they're gold. You know, I think yellow does have a feeling of optimism and independence. It can also mean strategy or being strategic or a strategic thinker, happiness. Um, But yellow can also invoke anxiety and fear and have a little bit more of that impulsive feel. It is a little bit more controversial too, similar to its neighboring color orange, because it is just a little bit more off-putting. And also going back to our traffic analogy, a yellow light, it kind of means caution. And that's just something that, you know, you, you build that up with and it kind of stops you in your tracks. So it can be a little off-putting. You know, I was thinking when you said 57% of men like yellow, I was thinking about that. You know why? Because men more on average are colorblind. They don't see red and green. That's they might true. see yellow though. That red is and, true. Red and green in a colorblind person becomes gray. Yeah, they lose the color with that. You're right. Yeah. So yellow would really pop for men, especially yes. if they're colorblind. And I mean, yeah, well, I, I know the data genetically, it's more common in men than women. I know a couple of men that are colorblind. I don't think I know any women I, that I have encountered that are that are colorblind. I mean, that's a small sample, but that's a, I'm really glad you flagged that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, because you were saying that and I'm thinking, why would men like yellow? Yeah, because they don't see red and green. (laughs) Yeah, they like it because they can see it. Hey, there you go. That's a fair reason to like a color. So we've got a couple of minutes left. So I would love for you to just touch briefly on fonts because I don't think that's something that people think about. They always think about the color. And I love the fact that you went through the colors. So thank you so very much. Absolutely. I know that's going to help our audience as you know if they're starting to think about their brand just to help get some initial thoughts in about maybe what colors they want obviously you've got to do research and you can't just go because you like it but I love that you color it go for maybe a couple of minutes on fonts and then we have to close down for the day absolutely no I'd love to you know I think fonts are something that have kind of been an afterthought I think a lot of times for brands and hey when you're starting out and you're doing it all you're picking you're just like whatever Whatever works in this system, whatever this font is, if I'm using MailChimp and I'm starting out for free, whatever font they give me to put in my emails, that's what I'm going to use. And that is that is fine. But I think when we can really level up and take it to that next step or you're ready to have the intention behind it, different fonts. And I mean, I could go through, give you the history of all the different fonts and, and when they were first used and all of that and really nerd out. I won't um, because we only have a couple of minutes and I want to get to go over a couple, but I think in fonts and typefaces, you know, these have been used since the printing press days for hundreds of years. And there are definitely some of the fonts that have kind of a nod to that typewriter style and they're called serif fonts. So okay. they'll have a little flag on the lettering. So you'll see that a lot. Um, yeah. So if you're watching this live and you look at the author to authority, authority is a serif font. It sure is. And the amazing thing about serif fonts is because it's almost a nod to that, um, that connection to the first authorship and the first strokes, which I'm sure is part of the reason why you use it. Um, but it, it has a feeling of trust, respect, and tradition. 
and it's very easily readable too, legible as well. So, and it's easy to read in print. So a lot of brands use it because it is so readable and it really is kind of more of a classic look. Um, whereas if you are watching live or and seeing, can see the rest of the logo, the author part is a script font and script fonts are used to, to really give more of, it's kind of a, a nod to initial penmanship and the quill. And so it's flare. a little bit more elegant. Yeah, it has a little flair, a little bit of whimsy. Um, sometimes, depending on the script font, it can have a little bit more of a feminine, kind of a nurturing connection, scientifically, you know, and psychologically speaking. And so you will, there's a lot of formal and casual versions of this. Some of them, you have to be careful with script fonts because some of them are very difficult to read. But even Coca-Cola uses a script font, right? And so yep. um, you see a lot of brands, Kellogg's. And so I think a lot of the time you'll see it easily adopted because it does have that elegance and that detail. And it, it feels a little bit more playful, nurturing, connected, very intentional by the brands that are using it. Whereas something like Disney, that's very much a decorative font, that brand. Sometimes those decorative display fonts, you, you see them a lot in like movie movie posters, movie titles. They're really bold, quirky, a little bit eccentric, and that's on purpose. Even the music festival, Coachella, they use a decorative font mm -hmm. and Fanta, soft drink or pop, depending on where you are in the world. Soda pop, pop, Fanta, they use a decorative font too, but it's just a little bit kind of off kilter intentionally. Mm -hmm. And it really helps it stand out and give it a playfulness. And so I think those are kind of the main differences, the sans serif. So we talked about the serif and that being in that authority without the flags on it gives it a real modern feel. So if you want to feel and look and be a lot more modern, I don't want to leave out sans serif because it is a very popular font. Now it's very readable, very sophisticated and clean. Um, you see a lot of tech fo focused brands using it. A lot of new age businesses are also, and, and modern businesses that are coming to market now are using modern fonts. And a lot of brands are rebranding to go with a modern font to make it easier to read too. So here's a quick one for you. Yeah. A serif font is Times New Roman because everybody knows what Times New Roman is. Yes, absolutely. A sans serif font is Arial. Yes. Yeah. Just so, just so, because some people might not have the visual of that. If they're listening on the podcast and they can't yeah. see what we're talking about here, think of Times New Roman and Arial. Absolutely. <laughs> not that you really want to use those because they're... I wouldn't necessarily recommend those because they're very overused, but yeah. they're a great visual connection. So thank you so much for bringing that up to help the audience. Can I, For those of you listening who aren't able to see it, absolutely. Um, some of the other sans serif fonts that are really popular right now are Lotto. Maybe you've seen that or used that in your email marketing provider, Montserrat. They, uh, that's in all over Canva. If you're DIYing your own graphics, I'm sure you've seen it there too. And so there's a lot of fresher takes on the traditional Arial, which is that sans serif or Times New Roman, which is the serif font, which yeah. give it a little fresh new life, but it still has all those classic traits of the initial font and typeface that give us that feel that we want to establish for your brand. Yeah, my favorite serif font, and it's actually what authority is in, and that we actually use it in our books because it's so readable, is Palatino Linotype. Yes. It's a very elegant serif one. It's easy to read. So we actually format all of our books in that. So that's a little hint for all you guys. So What well, a great tip. <laughs> 
we are out of time, Stephanie. I we could go on forever on this stuff. I think we'll we'll have you back at another time and we'll talk about this a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, if people have been enjoying this conversation and they want to connect with you, how can they connect with you? And do you have any freebies that you're offering today? Absolutely, we can connect and I have freebies. So we can connect. I am real deal everywhere on social media, R-I-E-L. D-E-A-L, or you can reach me at stephaniereal.com. And then I actually have a brand, a brand checklist that, you know, given our conversation today, I think it could be a really great place for somebody to start, whether they're just starting out or they're refreshing the brand and they want to get and make sure that they're not missing any of the steps in the process. So I'd be happy to give that to your audience and have them get started on the right footing and build with intent for their brand so that it can live and evolve, but have a right foundation for the future. And how would they, where would they go to get that? I can get you a link for that for the show notes as well. Um, but if you DM me checklist on Instagram, I'll get you the link for that. Are you on LinkedIn? I am. Yes. So Stephanie they, real there. Okay. Cause I know a lot of our listeners are on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. Oh, this has just been such a joy and a pleasure. I geek out on this stuff. So I've loved this conversation. So this has been Kim Thompson Pinder and Stephanie Real on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.